This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. At one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were, by nature, objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this, not from yourselves, it is a gift from God. Not by work so that no one can boast, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Hallelujah. We are focusing on the wealth and the richness of what God has already planted in us through the reception of his spirit. Amen. And uh, we've been looking at the fact that uh, what God has already placed in us must be activated and we must live in the light of what God has done in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we come to this passage of scripture and there's a shift in Paul's uh, writing. He has been focusing in chapter 1 on the incredible truth, the absolute truths of what God has done. We've looked at those wonderful things. Remember you read them out this morning and we were just rejoicing in the accomplishments of Christ. But now he begins to bring a comparison between where we were, what we once were, and what we have become through the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's reminding them, he's saying, look, remember what you once were. Remember what you once were. And he's so precise and so clear in this, the way he's writing here. The, the chapter just naturally falls into a perfect structure. And I, I will adopt that structure to walk us through. So the first thing I'm going to speak about is this. He says, remember what you once were, but now in Christ, God has made us alive. Hallelujah. Remember what you once were. But now in Christ, God has made us alive. Secondly, remember you were once separated from Christ, but now God has brought you near. Hallelujah. Thirdly, remember what you once were, foreigners, aliens, but now God has made you part of his household. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, isn't it wonderful to belong to Jesus? So let me just take these through one at a time. I remember what you once were, but now in Christ, God has made you alive. He's not referring to a future death that might take place at some point where we draw our last breath. He's referring to the fact that because of sin, the truth of it, the reality of it, that man is separate from Christ. He's already spiritually dead. And the evidence that he shows, he makes clear, is this. Number one, we used to live by following the ways of the world. Number two, we were also controlled by the ruler of the kingdom of the air. 
So many people, millions of people, believe that they are becoming more free, more independent, able to live and do what they want to do, and they have got no understanding that they're duped and they're blind, not able to live the life that they were meant to live because they're controlled by the spirit of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. In the realm of the physical, unless we are born of the spirit, we are controlled and dominated by the spirit that is at work in those who are disobedient. And then he says, you used to satisfy the cravings of your sinful nature, following its desires and thoughts. Don't desires and thoughts play a major part in setting the spiritual direction of your life? what you think about, what you dwell on, what you focus on, even your imaginations and your dreams. We need the sanctifying work of the Spirit, even in the subconscious mind, that God might get right through into our inner being and cleanse us and purify us and remove us from the desires that are not in keeping with God's holiness and righteousness and purity. What a desperate condition, what a desperate position we were in. One writer says of sin, sin kills innocence. Before sin came, our hearts and minds were pure and holy and righteous and right before God. But when sin comes, the heart and mind has a bias to sin, prone to sin. Before we uh, allowed sin to take control, before man fell into sin, his eyes were pure. His ears were pure, the touch was pure, the smell was pure, the talk was pure. We looked at those spiritual dimensions this morning. And then secondly, sin kills ideals, standards and righteousness. Hallelujah. It isn't very long before people get to a place where they simply don't know what is right and wrong anymore. The lines have become so blurred and unsure. And then sin kills the will. People end up doing the very things that at one time would have been disgraceful to them. So friend, Paul reminds us that there is a downward pull in sin and in the sinful man. The natural man experiences a downward spiral into deeper degradation. Whereas the spiritual man, the man or woman who is born by the power of God, has that uphill pull to resurrection, to pull to new life, up from the grave into the new life of God. You know, it's not long before what a person thought was a pleasure becomes a real snare. It's not long before something that was just some, uh, 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 something that you enjoyed or you thought was good for you or even pleasurable, but it is sin and not right with God. It's not long before something can become a real life controlling problem. And we have to see the power of God break those things if things have begun to control us that are not right with God. So don't allow ourselves to be enslaved again with the spirit of disobedience. So Paul reminds them that by nature we were objects of wrath because our nature was dead in sin. So thanks be to God tonight that he's able to say, remember what you once were. 
But now in Christ, God has made you alive. Amen. God has made you alive. That's what he says in verse 4. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions and sins, he has made us alive in him. Turn to your neighbor and say, if you know Christ, you're alive in God. I think it's good for us to understand why the Lord has done these things for us. And he's done this because of four characteristics of the nature, the eternal nature of God. God cannot act in any other way other than that with, which is within keeping with his nature and in keeping with his word. And I love these wonderful, simple truths about what caused God to bring salvation to humanity. Firstly, love. Remember, we're dealing with the riches of God's expression to us in this letter. Love because of the riches of his love. Mercy because of the riches of his mercy. Grace because of the riches of his grace. And kindness because of the kindness expressed in Christ. And because of those characteristics of his nature, God took action. And he gave to us the opposite of what we deserved. Hallelujah. We did not deserve the favor and the grace of God. But thanks be to God, he applied it to us when we came to saving faith and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. He raised us up in Christ. What a tremendous link to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. He raised you up with Christ. You know, friend, if there's no ignition of zeal and passion in your heart when you hear someone preaching of the greatest things that God could do, the love, the grace, the mercy, and the kindness of God. I pray that God would fan that fire into flame in your heart tonight, that you'd be amazed at the grace and the mercy and the love that God has for you. He loved the unlovable. He loved the one who was away. He loved the one who was far away, and he sent his only son that you and I might come to saving faith and say, Saving grace through the mercy and the kindness of a loving Savior. What a gospel we preach. What a mighty God we serve. What an awesome salvation you have. Turn to your neighbor and you've got, tell him you've got an awesome salvation. Hallelujah. Oh, bless his holy name tonight. We are filled with all these wonders and richness of God. How can we contain it? How can we absorb every detail? How can we understand the knowledge and the greatness and the wisdom of God? Unless it is poured into us by his spirit. We were looking at that this morning where truth and revelation and light and understanding, perception of the things of God can only come by the Holy Spirit through the revelation of his word. But I want to tell you every good reason and every good thing that you need to be able to allow that to happen is present in your heart and present in your mind if God is abiding in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, my friend, you can hear from God. You can see things you've never seen before. You can have understanding you've never had before. You can grow in knowledge and then grow in the grace of God until we reach that 
point of maturity. Remember I shared with you the key verse from this letter is that until we all reach unity and maturity in the knowledge of God, hallelujah, and we're on the journey and we're getting there. Turn to your neighbor, nudge them, wake them up and say we're getting there. <laughs> hallelujah. So there's a tremendous link with the resurrection of Jesus in these verses that we're looking at. And I want to tell you, friend, the link is beyond just choice, Paul's choice of vocabulary. The link is beyond uh, just the words on the page. Because in actual fact, it is an absolute truth that the resurrection of Christ is your resurrection. Hallelujah. It's not just the fact that you were saved by confessing him as your Savior and Lord and believing in your heart that he's risen from the dead. There was an actual occurrence in the realm of the Spirit when you confessed Christ and you made your good confession. There was a shift in your condition and there was a shift in your position. Hallelujah. And you were raised to newness of life. And that's why in this passage of Scripture, Paul is beside him saying you've been raised and seated with Christ in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Somebody say a big hallelujah. So friend, how wonderful is that? His resurrection became your resurrection. His lifting up to the realms of glory is the shadow of your lifting up to the realms of glory. Either through the grave and resurrection or in the rapture, the catching away of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, Pastor, do you still believe in the rapture? Yeah, I believe in the rapture. Hallelujah. I believe in the catching away. I believe that Jesus will come like a thief in the night. And I believe that Jesus will carry the body, lift the body. And those who are in the grave will be raised faced and we will meet them in the air with hair. Yes, hallelujah. <laughs> I said, I'm going to meet them in the air with hair. <laughs> Glory to God. On the way up, Mim's going to be saying, I like you better now. <laughs> Glory to God. Wonderful Jesus. Because when we see him, we'll be like him. Hallelujah. Oh, I know it's great to have fun, but what a miracle of transformation that truly is. What a miracle of transformation. It's coming. It's coming soon. The days are numbered and time is speeding up. My wife Miriam is always saying to me, I don't know what's happened. The, the time is just rushing ahead towards the end. And it's shortened the days. I don't know about you, but an hour seems a lot shorter than it used to be. <laughs> I mean, I've only just arrived, I'm going home. <laughs> ooh, ooh. <laughs> Glory to God. Oh, the resurrection. That's what enabled me last year to stand at the head of my mother's grave, where in 1999 I buried my father. Come back off a mission in Africa, went straight from London Heathrow up to North Yorkshire and buried my father. And then last year I buried my mother in the same ground with all my family and loved ones around me and those who had been affected by the expression of that powerful woman of God were able to hear me say, one day this ground will open. Hallelujah. One day this very ground will open. 
and they will rise. Hallelujah. And I'll meet them on the way up. And we'll say, we're on route together, glory. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. Never lose, never, never lose the passion for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. There is no other means, no other way of salvation. You must, my friend, respond to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ in the way that God has instructed us. So many foolish people think that because they've not done that and they have done this, that because of his mercy, his love and his grace and his kindness, he will not send them to hell. I want to tell you, God never sends anyone to hell. Your sin has already put you there. It was our sin that condemns us. But thanks be to God, because of his grace, his love, his mercy, and his kindness, he was unwilling to leave us where we were. And he did what he needed to do. He couldn't act in any other way. And so he changed our position and changed our condition by including us in Christ Jesus. And friends, isn't it wonderful in this passage of Scripture we read, Paul is careful, so, so careful to point out that every one of these riches of grace comes by grace through faith. And it's not of ourselves. It's a gift from God. We've no right to boast. Hallelujah. That's why every time I mount a platform, I bow my head and I say, Lord, have mercy. I humble my heart before you. Can you do anything through me? And by his grace, he will. So Romans 10, verse 17. Consequently, faith comes by from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word of faith. And then, secondly, remember, you were once separated from Christ, but now God has brought you near. Sorry, when I cry, my nose runs immensely. And if you're filming this, you can edit the film. Hallelujah. Let me read on a little from verse 11. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope, without God in the world. Thank God for verse 13. I mean, we should be struck with horror at the statement in verses 11 and 12 that if we are separate from Christ, excluded from the citizenship of God's people, regarded as foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope, my God, without God in the world, we're lost. But thank God for verse 13. Because this is what it says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood 
of Jesus. What a gospel. For he himself is our peace who has made the two one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose, his intention, was to create in himself one new man out of two, thus making peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people, members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I never apologize for reading big chunks of scripture from the platform because the Bible says we must continue to do exactly that. Hallelujah. In uh, discussion with a non-believer just the other week and we were talking about what is going on in our world and he, he said to me the things that we are seeing is just normal society. And I thought about that. And then eventually I thought, he's right. It's totally normal for those who don't know Christ to live the way that our society and generation is living. They follow the ways of the world. They're governed by the ruler of the air and they are hostile in their hearts and minds to God. The Bible says the sinful mind is hostile to God. And so that is how we used to live when we followed the ways of the world. I love what one writer says. He describes the condition of man as separate from Christ by saying that we are still wearing the grave clothes. And of course, that's the grave clothes of the old man. What an example in the raising of Lazarus and the loosing of Lazarus that he might be able to walk right. And so he refers to uh, us outside of Christ being spiritually dead, disobedient, depraved, and doomed. And I thought, there's a lot of hope in that. What a shock. And sometimes we have to look. Paul is purposely saying, look, remember and recall what you once were. Because by remembering and recalling about what you once were and where you once were positioned before God should bring to your mind a great understanding of the transformation that has happened in your heart. Because we have to value, above all, the riches of what God has poured into us through the work of the cross and the resurrection. The word here in the NIV isn't particularly helpful for us to understand when it talks about hostility and the barrier and the separation. The better word is enmity. That there has become a dividing wall, a wall of hostility, a barrier between natural man and God, which can only be removed through the work of the cross. That enmity speaks of separation, but also the hostility of an enemy. 
And this separation is between Jews and Gentile. And we still see that today. And you know, friends, as we move towards the end of time, we are going to see a violent, venomous hostility towards Israel like we've never seen before. It'll happen. And that's why we need to pray that our nation, we are never enemies of Israel, that we would bless the people of God, that we would pray for the people of God, that we would stand with the people of God, be united with them. You know, historically... We can see that there was separation. But God's intention is to form one new man out of two. Jew and Gentile alike brought together under the headship of Christ. So pray for the people of God. And then the hostility is between sinner and God. As we move towards the end, I want to tell you the distinction between those who belong to Christ and those who don't belong to Christ is going to become more and more obvious. I came to the airport with Paul in Bristol there and we decided to have a Costa because it wouldn't cost us very much. <laughs> <laughs> So we had a Costa coffee, and I went to be served, and I'm telling you, I didn't make any hostile reaction. I just stayed in the grace of God. But the person that was serving me behind, I could tell they were so confused. They didn't know whether they were male or female. And we are teaching our children that don't decide whether you're male or female. You decide that when you've been a few years on. Then decide what body you're in. What confusion. I'm telling you, that is actually a fact. And so we can see that the distinction between those who are seeking to live a righteous life, a pure life, and a holy life before God, and those who are under the camp of the enemy, is going to become more and more obvious. And you are going to shine like a beacon on a high hill. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, you are. The light shines brighter when it's dark. When it's darker, the light shines brighter. You are going to stick out like a sore thumb that's just been hit with a mallet because the righteousness and the holiness and the purity of God will permeate through even your face. Even your face will glow with the glory of God and they will know who you are and they will recognize who you belong to because you are a carrier of the divine Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We need to pray for the next generation, what we never have done before. And then the Bible says peace is brought through Christ. He is our peace. We have to face up to these things, the realities of the times in which we're living, but remember that he is our peace. Glory. Hallelujah. When we see all these things happening... Remind yourself, he is your peace and he has broken down every wall, every barrier and will unite us for reconciliation comes through the creation of one new man, one body in Christ, one church, Jew and Gentile, one in Christ. The Bible says here that the Lord came to preach to those who were far away. It doesn't refer to someone who's the other side of the world. It refers to the Gentiles. He came to preach to those who were far away from the covenants that the Jews had known. 
And then he came to preach to those who were near the Jewish people. He came to his own, but his own did not receive him, and his own did not recognize him. But through him, we have reconciliation, access to the Father by one spirit. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's a miracle, he's on his last point. <laughs> remember, you were once foreigners and aliens, not aliens from another planet. By the, by the way, you know, there isn't any life out there. <laughs> I don't know if anybody's reminded you of that, but the Lord made the earth as the habitation for his creation. There's nobody out there. What a mighty, mighty dark ripoff. We are spending millions on wondering, is there anything out there? <laughs> I tell you, there's nothing out there. But if you traveled and traveled and traveled, you wouldn't come to the place called heaven because it's in another realm. Hallelujah. It's in the realm of the spirit. Glory to God. But thanks be to God. The spiritual and the physical is united together because the Bible says the heaven and the earth the earth will pass away and God will create a new heaven and a new earth. Hallelujah. Some people say he's going to make the new earth out of the old one. But I think that is nonsense because the Bible says it will be destroyed by fire. And you know, God doesn't need something to make something else. He makes ex nihilo out of nothing. Hallelujah. He speaks the word and it comes into being. Hallelujah. Oh, yes. He speaks the word and it comes into being. I am a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. You know, in ancient times, a Gentile was given permission to live in a Jewish city at times, but he was viewed as an alien. He was viewed with suspicion and dislike. He could progress as far as being a naturalized citizen, but never had the privileges of full acceptance in the family of God. He could be a God-fearer, but never included, as we hear, as we hear here, in the circumcision and the citizenship of Israel. Stories told of a man who was very alone, came to a, f a foreign land, and is walking through a city alone at night. That became his habit. On many occasions, he'd stand outside a particular home and the curtains were drawn and he'd see a family around a table having a beautiful meal. He'd be looking through the window, watching in and fascinated with the warmth and the love that was present in the family. And having gazed and looked through that window for some time, he'd see someone come towards the window on the inside and the curtains would be drawn and it would be closed out in the cold alone once again. I want to tell you, there was a curtain that was closed that separated us from God. But when Jesus paid the price for your sin, the Bible says the curtain was torn top to bottom, that you might have access into the family home that you might have access into the presence of the Father. Not only that you might have access, but that you would be included, seated round the table. Hallelujah. Seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Anticipating the exceptional banquet that one day will take place. You won't be looking in through a window. You would be on the seat that's got your name on it. Glory 
to God. Hallelujah. You'll be seated right where God has positioned you. But your positioning begins now. And your positioning is determined by your condition before God. Hostile. Or have you run towards him and accepted his love, his grace, his mercy, and his kindness through the Lord Jesus Christ? What an amazing miracle. What an amazing miracle the gospel of the Lord Jesus truly is. The world is seeking inclusivity by changing the law to accommodate sin. But God through Christ includes all by the removal of sin. He forms one church, one body, one new man, one house, one city, one family, and excludes no one. Hallelujah. He's the door. He invites all in. He makes a way through. He gives access to all. He seats the saved sinner at the table. He makes him a son and heir. He shares communion. He shares in the family meal. He participates in the family life. He prepares an eternal home, and he awaits an eternal banquet. What an amazing Savior we truly have. Where are you today? In terms of your condition and your position before God, I often tell the story, you'll have heard me mention this before. In fact, I'm pastoring the very church where it happened when I was a Bible student. I preached my heart out one Sunday morning. We weren't in, our, in the old, the brand new building then. It was in a cinema. It was in a theater. And a young lady at the end said, could I talk to you? I said, certainly. She hadn't responded to Christ. And she told me she just couldn't take that step. And I said, why don't we meet early before the evening meeting and we can talk a little bit on a one-to-one. She said, okay. I had a phone call from the pastor. Her mother had contacted within an hour and said, could Pastor Paul go and see my daughter? She was 18. She's in a coma in hospital. I made a vow before God that I would never miss an opportunity again to ask if someone is in the position where they need to come to Christ. If they've never made the step of faith, this is a moment when you can say, Lord, include me. The price has been paid. Jesus has done it all. He loves you. He's expressing his grace and his mercy and his kindness towards you. All we have to say, Lord, thank you for saving me. Thank you for paying the price for my sin. I acknowledge I've been separate from you, but I want you to include me. Include me. Let me be in Christ not outside of Christ. Let me receive the gift of eternal life simply by confessing him as your savior and acknowledging your sin and need and declaring he's risen from the dead. I want to tell you your condition will change 
and your position will change. And you'll be ready for the coming of the Lord. Hallelujah. You'll be ready for the coming of the Lord. Is that where you are tonight? In a few moments, we're going to just sing some beautiful worship, and I'm here and available. We're going to pray for many people, and no God will move. And I'm going to ask you if that's you, when you come forward, if you would say to me, Pastor, I want Jesus in my life. That's so personal, it's so private, you can tell me in my ear, I want Jesus in my life, and I will pray with you, and we will see you come into the kingdom Amen. of God. Hallelujah. What a victory. What a victory that would be. Many others in this room tonight, just you're desperate, you're longing for God to just speak into your life, speak into your situation. Maybe need a physical miracle. Maybe need to hear from heaven. Just others just saying, Lord, I want to be filled with the passion and the fire of the anointing of God. Hallelujah. Others are saying, Lord, I've just received the richness and the wealth, a new understanding, the revelation, the enlightenment of my heart. Let me see you in the pages of this book by the truth being illuminated and new understanding coming, just as I was speaking this morning. Others just simply say, Lord, here I am. I surrender my life once again to you. Hallelujah. You've heard me talk about my granddad. This is just another and finally. <laughs> My granddad, great man, sharp looking guy, big nose, bald head. <laughs> Married to my nan who prayed for him for 40 years. He refused, he refused, he refused. Now I saw him as a boy many, many times. Resisting God. He's a tough guy. He retired at 65 and surrendered at a dramatic experience of God. My uncle, Bob Keir, I spoke at his funeral just a few weeks ago. He led his own dad to Jesus and wept his way into the glory of God. I heard him say these words to my nan, who was the most godly and powerful woman you would ever meet. You've, you've heard me talk about her all the time. There was a room in her house set aside called the prayer room. And I was a boy. You walk in there, and the presence of God was live. Wow. I heard him say to her, Hilda, I wasted my life. If only I had not been so arrogant and bombastic and strong to live life my way. Why did I wait so long? And on behalf of Christ tonight, I'm asking you, I'm dictating, because the Bible says that we don't plea that people might come to Christ on behalf of the Lord. We lay the commands, repent, believe, be baptized for the forgiveness of sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Many of us want the blessings I've been talking about, but we won't bow the knee. It's time for the church to bow the knee before the master. Don't waste another moment. You come to Christ tonight in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Let's ask the band to come. Wonderful Jesus. Wonderful Jesus. If you are far away, you can come right close. Close to the Master. Baba says, draw near by faith and he will draw near unto you. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit is here. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.